John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat eat all the leftover leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel up up the hill and then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lady Bosses, and then an iHeartRadio podcast. I'm going to get jacked up every time I listen to that. We got Jesse Draper in studio. <laughs> I'm in studio. We're here with you. We're bringing you Lady Bosses every episode, all episodes. Jesse, what is a Lady Boss to you? I think a Lady Boss is, you know, a woman who is empowered in their job. And it doesn't mean they're necessarily leading a company, but they could be the boss of the company. But they could also just em- embody that sort of like bossness in whatever they do, because I think it's about feeling good about your profession and being passionate about it and just owning what you do as a is woman. it is it offensive at all for us to call them lady bosses like i don't i don't want I don't anybody to do call me feel, a man boss well do you feel offended that it's a lady boss not a boss i mean i'm not offended i wonder if they are i wonder if the whole concept the whole title of our show is offensive maybe we should ask our first <laughs> guest tanya sam from the real housewives of atlanta Tanya is a fierce, fierce boss. And then I'll ask her if I can call her a lady boss. I'll see if I get the permission. Uh, Before we bring Tanya on, Jesse, what have you been up to? I have been crazy. I mean, I feel like that's just a loaded question. Happy New Year, by the way. Um, I think it's been, I'm really happy 2018 is over. I think that I've been, um, you know, we're prepping for Fund 2 at Halogen Ventures. So, 
it's been just thousands of meetings with um, investors and entrepreneurs. We had a pitch day the other day, so I saw about 12 companies. Um, it's always interesting when we call in a bunch of startups because um, there's usually some sort of trend. And this week it was uh, collagen startups. We saw a dog collagen company. We saw a um, – I learned more about collagen than I even knew was possible – Apparently, you have to eat it, but women typically, like, put it all over their faces. So if you buy skin cream with collagen in it, it's totally BS is what I learned. You have to eat it. But collagen comes from animals, and low-end collagen is, like, hooves and stuff. I mean, I could write a whole report now. Um, And then dogs, this dog company was really fascinating. Um, They create collagen that you put in your dog's water and your dog's food, and it helps your older dogs, like, be more bouncy or feel better. I mean, I just, it's like, had you talked to the dog? Like, I don't know. I don't know how you learn, but um, if they really like it or whatever, but it's apparently taking off. And um, and then we saw some collagen drinks that uh, would be, you know, we may start seeing around, honestly, probably in Whole Foods and things like that. You're supposed to have two of this drink a day and um, your skin will be more glowing and it was fascinating. So what makes you invest into one of these companies? And I mean, this is some weird stuff. First off, <laughs> let's be clear. Am I taking the dog collagen like, as Apparently a human? Apparently you I... can. Like they test. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the weirdest thing to me. They test on humans. Yeah. But they give it to the should. dog. We should. That's the new That's the new trend. Have you not heard? Yeah, no, I know that. But I just feel like it's actually for dogs. I get it. It's animal. You know, we need to like support the animals and everything. And I guess people can talk and we don't speak dog yet. Yeah. Right. But yeah. But what makes you then? So all this stuff right now we're consuming collagen. This is a new trend. We've obviously heard about it in, in, you know, beauty and healthcare. What makes you then go? This is the brand I want. I believe in this product without ever trying it. Oh, I try it. For how long? I mean, a day? We do some diligence. I mean, it sounded like you had to really commit to this like collagen drink for a couple of weeks to really see results. But, you know, we try it, we ask around, we do a lot of research on it. We do research on, you know, collagen in general. We would talk to scientists, we would talk to um, lawyers to see how patentable anything in that space would be. Like, how do you own the collagen market? How do, how do you win in collagen? And is a collagen drink healthy? Like, do you have to refrigerate it? I mean, we just ask a million questions and for me, it's really about being unique. And that was the first collagen beverage I had ever seen. <laughs> and so yeah. that was interesting. She had two flavors. It was like matcha and um, peach iced tea. Uh, and it was interesting. And she's like working out of this incubator that they make. Um, what's that drink? Soylent. Have you guys heard of Soylent? It started in Silicon Valley. It was like the engineers who never wanted to leave their computer and they would just, it was like a meal replacement. Um, So there's this incubator and she works out of there. So they get beverages there. And um, it was interesting. I really liked her. I think it's about the team at that stage. Yeah, it seems like how much does the leader play into like the the kind of the leader or the team itself play into your then uh, ability to invest and to commit to the the brand? It's a real... um, I, the leader is everything. The CEO, the co-founder is everything. The team, um, because, you know, these peop- these teams that I'm meeting with have two, three people. Sometimes they have, you know, one sole CEO. And 
you're betting on them and it's going to be a 10 year marathon uh, partnership. It's like, it's really intense as an investor founder relationship. You get to know each other, you know, probably as well as you know, your spouse often and um, you go through really hard times and really amazing times. And you just have to know that you'll be able to work through them. And um, I mean, you're really, it's like, it's like marriage, you know, the, you're investing in them. Before we bring on our guests today, which are Tanya, Sam, and Kelly Ryan, I want to ask you, Jesse, for anybody out there listening going, all right, I want to own my own business. I want to start uh, pursuing kind of my own career. What are the new trends that you're wanting to invest into? What, what does the next five years look like for Hologen and kind of what you're putting your finances into that you will think that you think now will be successful long term? So I don't want to give away all my secrets because I feel like I see trends before everybody, but I'll give you a couple like general trends that I'm excited about. Beauty. It's a huge opportunity that I think people don't even realize what's about to come in beauty. Um, And then I'm looking pretty deep in government tech. So that's everything from like police report apps, cybersecurity to companies that, um, where the government is a customer uh, and companies that make the government more efficient. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're also doing a lot of things in the future of work, which is like childcare and uh, we work type locations and um, just what does work look like in the future because it's changing so much. Um, And so really the trends I look for and the things I look to invest in, I want to make sure they're going to be huge in 10 years. I want to think way ahead. Like work is changing dramatically. People don't work out of offices anymore. What does that look like? How do you stay connected with everybody? And what are all the types of businesses that go into that? And then to me personally, childcare, I just want to steamroll. I just, it's so broken. You know, growing up and as I've pursued then my own kind of career and in investing in, in entrepreneurship, I know that children uh, are, you know, kind of the hot market. If you can invest into childcare, into, uh, you know, children's toys or educational programs, there there really is a lot of growth there. But I also just got in reading an article that the vagina is a billion dollar market. What does that mean to you, Jesse? And are you investing into the vagina? <laughs> ben. This is yes. my favorite industry for real. Same here. Yeah, I have here. I have multiple <laughs> vagina companies in my portfolio. One is called Flex. Uh it is a menstrual uh disc and she actually has created like it's an alternate tampon device. Uh it's huge, it's really great. Um you can leave it in for 24 hours, you can have sex with it in, you can reuse it. It's really like a game-changing tampon device. And then we have a company called uh, L Condoms that is um, the first condom marketed towards women because you think of Trojan, you think of all of these condom companies and they market towards men. Both of these products you can actually find in um, Target and everywhere right now. So I'm very excited about them. But I, I can't even tell you how many weird uh, vagina devices are sent to my house on a regular basis. <laughs> like uh-huh. most recently we got a whole kit, like this like pH balanced vagina kit that was, I can't even remember the name of the company, but it was like they had soap and like a spray. And I was like, am I supposed to be doing this with my vagina? Like, this is crazy. This is, I mean, the, it's like cleanliness on another level, but it's an enormous industry. And then you get into like vibrators and you get into, I mean, it's, 
it's huge. And also we've barely scratched the surface. Um, it's Literally. feminine hygiene. It's called femtech or, you know, it's really, um, it's one of my favorite industries. The vulva is going to be the <laughs> next. That's actually, the, that's the right term, Jesse. Did you know that? I No, please teach me. <laughs> I was a sex ed minor and I always had to talk about the vulva because that's the whole thing. In, wait, like, wait, the wait. Whole... This is the first I've heard this. You were a sex ed minor? I was. I got interested in the human body. Um, wait, but like it so, wasn't like an anatomy minor. It was like a sex no, ed minor. Sex ed minor. I thought I might want to be a sex like, ed teacher. Like I thought I would want to help kids. Uh, eliminate the taboo around sex. And so when I th- think start thinking about investing into products that, you know, obviously uh, relate closely with our, you know, human anatomy, I get excited about as well, because I think the future is bright. One thing, Jesse, that I want to talk to you about, if you're investing into the vagina, <laughs> when is somebody going to come up? Because this is the scary part to me. And I think most, and, I, and if I'm completely wrong, please email uh, us on the show or or Jesse, please tell me here. I think the next stage, and somebody's going to blow this up, is when a pharmaceutical company can come up with a healthy, safe uh, uh, birth control. Because I've seen birth control affect so many of my friends and so many of my friends' wives in terrible ways that I have been researching recently a ton. And that's kind of how I came across the vagina article was how when is somebody going to come up with a safe and healthy birth control? I think, you know, I've seen a lot of direct-to-consumer birth controls and a lot of different types. So I think it's being worked on so you can rest easy, Ben. It is happening. Um, but uh, I'm curious what the audience thinks. Like, send us your vagina ideas. I mean, billion-dollar business. I think I want to hear your ideas. So ladybosses at iheartradio.com, email us your vagina ideas. I can't wait till the next episode when we sit in here and you start talking about the trends that you've been invest or working on for that week. And you're like, it's just been three weeks of straight vagina. No, like, I mean, Ben, seriously, the reason we invested in Flex was because I saw six tampon companies in one month. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is this is crazy. This is an enormous opportunity. But there's too many tampon companies recently i was on um yahoo finance and i told them that there's a monopoly on tampons in slovenia and it went everywhere apparently that was just like this very hot topic after i brought it up and everyone's like oh my god there's like this monopoly on tampons in slovenia but like there is there's a lot of opportunity here and i'm seeing a new tampon company at least weekly right now unbelievable that is insight that we need and that we'll get on lady bosses hey Jesse, with that, we're going to bring on our first guest. Tanya Sam from The Real Housewives of Atlanta is in studio. Tanya, I have to start this uh, with apologizing. The intro of this was literally talking about the billion-dollar vagina industry. It's and a so big industry. It's a so really big industry. up a very, very interesting topic that actually uh, I fully believe in. Tanya Sam uh, from The Real Housewives, you're the newest housewife. Yes. Yes. And the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, a round of applause. This is excellent. What a great way to start the day. Well, listen, don't apologize because vaginas are very important. So I actually totally. feel sad that I missed the JJ conversation. We can continue it. No, I think we should. It's okay. I mean, I heard you're in technology, by yeah, the way. Yeah. So am I. I'm a tech investor. I know. I know. And so we like to invest in the vagina a I, lot. I do a lot of work that's specifically focused on helping vaginas build big businesses. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. I don't usually that. put it like that, but that's yeah. I like how you put it, I like how you put it, though. it down. 
I want more vaginas to build big businesses that are super successful. So, yeah. <laughs> Tanya, that's what I wanted to start this with. We we are called lady bosses and yeah. men as a podcast, right? We're, we're built around the idea that, you know, we want to promote these, these women that are in leadership and whatever, you know, industry they're working in. Is it offensive at all to you for me to call you a lady boss? No, not at all. Not right? at all. Why I kind not? of embrace it. I mean, if you called me a vagina, but we can leave the vagina talk in the <laughs> background now. If you called me a vagina, I'd be probably offensive. Me and, Je- me and yeah. Jesse can do that. But a You're lady a lot boss, than- no. I, I love being a lady boss. I love, love, love being a lady boss. Like, I'm not offended by that. Um, I think, you know, once you bring it down into the nuances of like, am I a boss because I'm a lady in a man's world, then maybe we could go back and forth on that. Right. But I, I, I am a lady boss and I love it. And I work in like a very uh, technology, predominantly male industry. And I kind of embrace it. I mean, I walk in, I'll have some Chanel on, these high heels. I have makeup on, my hair is done. And it's a huge advantage. You stand out. Yeah, it's such an advantage. It's such an advantage. And I, I mean, I, I, I love it. So yeah. I, we ha- we haven't got to dig in as much as I'd like to on this topic. And, and Tanya, I think you're the perfect person for it. Mm. You uh, you work in, a, in in kind of a male-centric industry. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Wh- which, which is what? Just for anybody out there listening. So I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I've been working in technology for about eight years. I, I'll give you a little bit of background so that I can lead into like kind of what I do. And I got into that. I was actually in healthcare, So I was a registered nurse. You know, I wiped butts, spilled blood, gave chemo. Very, very different. Also high stakes, high energy. And I got into technology um, because of my fiance. So he's a serial entrepreneur. He'd been building cybersecurity companies. He was founding another company called Pindrop Security. Um, And literally pretty much our third date, he was like, hey, can you come meet this guy with me? And they sat and founded the company like on napkins talking about algorithms, AI, machine learning. And I was like, that's kind of cool. This is kind of a boring date, but you're still cute. Um, (laughs) Really how I got into it. So early stage startup, it's kind of all hands on deck. And they were like, can you help me do this? Can you help me do this? And I was like, no, I don't know how to do any of this. And he's like, you know, very. And I think this is interesting for, you know, a lady boss audience. Like my mentor was a man and he kind of pushed me to be like, just do it. You'll figure it out. Just do it. You'll figure it out, which is very outside of how I generally think. I'm like, let me get a PhD in this first and, you know, be perfect at it before I'll dive in. And, you know, that company now has um, raised a lot of money from some big VCs, Andreessen Horowitz, Excel. Um, They have 350 people and they, you know, fight fraud in like nine out of the top 10 banks across the country. But I kind of got into it just sitting there learning, helping, and just pretending like I knew what the heck was going on. It's kind of like fake it till you make it. It is fake it till you make it. I think in any lady boss situation. Yeah. Maybe in boss situations as well. Yeah. With men, man boss. But they're more apt to put up their hand and be like, I could do this. Like, why not? Right. And I've I've morphed into that person, I think, because of influences like that. So... Fast forward now, um, you know, I've built a I built a beverage company myself as well, which was crazy and filled with tears and angst and worry. Like being a CEO was super hard and lonely. Um, sold part of that company, and uh, we bought a building in the center of Atlanta, Georgia, right by Georgia Tech. It was an old Office Depot. It was going out of business because who buys pens and paper at Office Depot? Because Amazon basically killed that industry. Um, we thought, well, this is a great building to build businesses in. So 
we bought that and we started TechSquare Labs, which is a technology innovation and entrepreneurship center. And our goal was to help early stage founders, like the ones that are like two people in a laptop, like I think I have an idea, um, what should we do? And it was conveniently right by Georgia Tech. So a lot of our founders are technical founders who are sitting there going like, huh, I'm really savvy at building code, but how do I build this company? So we created an ecosystem where people can come and like meet, build, build companies, go to meetups, meet co-founders. Um, and we've been doing that for about four and a half years. And part of what I get to do is make really fun programs like Built by Women, which was an accelerator, pre-accelerator program for female founders of color. You know, so they're kind of, to be quite honest with you, the last people in line to get, you know, access to capital um, that we've seen building uber successful companies. It's true. We, yeah. There's all these statistics that only 17 uh, African-American women yeah. have raised over a million dollars in VC funding. Yeah. Um, we have two, actually, in our portfolio. So I'm very That's I'm proud of that. That's yeah. amazing. What are they? Do you know? Off the top of yeah. Your Yank. Okay. And then um, we have one out of Atlanta, Gooder. Gooder, Gooder. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's like just doing good. Like, she's great. I love that, actually. You know, Tanya, I think you touched on something that I want to pull back for a second before we continue. You mentioned uh, the idea of kind of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And we have a lot of people listening right now that are just getting started, you know, in the startup phase and they're confused. I actually, it's funny, I was, as, as you were talking, uh, sorry, I was on my phone. I pulled up a text from yesterday. I had a meeting um, with, a, with a young lady who was interested in doing her own thing about six months ago. And I told her that I, I now own my own business and I told her my process and I said, hey, it's really hard. Because most of the time, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, my gosh. And so you have a passion and you have a purpose and you have the path to pursuing, but you don't know how to take the first step sometimes. Yeah. So for you, for anybody out there listening, what advice would you have? Um, ooh, to taking the first step? I think just honestly throw yourself off the cliff. You're probably going to fall flat on your face, break your nose, lose a couple teeth. But, I mean, that's par for the course and you just have to get up and do it again. Like you're probably going to make some, that sounds like horrible, horrible, just really sad advice, but it's kind of the truth. (laughs) You just got to try it because you're going to make a mistake and you're going to learn from it. Those ones where you like mash your teeth out, you really learn the most because you won't do it again. And you take all that information and you put it back into whatever company you're building. You just kind of have to do it. And I think the biggest thing is having people that really push you to do it, learn from your mistakes and keep going. Um, I also think, you know, for a lot of people who are trying to start companies, um, the fear of it decreases if you surround yourself with other people who are trying to do the same thing. Because oftentimes you have an idea, it might be, you know, something that you're super passionate about, something that you've spent, you know, your, you know, career working on and you want to start it into a, a business of your own. But if you get around other people who are talking entrepreneurship, talking about their failures, like I tell people, go to meetups. Like it's really sounds very basic, but like put yourself around other people and you just learn so much. Well, and you can't do anything alone, too. Yeah. And it's great to have, you know, I love how you've created this ecosystem. You know, I always say there needs to be a great university uh, near a tech ecosystem because it, it breeds great talent and just creates great companies. Um, So you guys have done such great work there. Um, but yeah, I think you need to surround yourself with great people. And then also, I love what you're saying about meetups because also that's a female thing. Yeah. Women are sort of afraid to network. I have yeah. this rule that every event I go to, 
I have to meet at least three new people. And, you know, sometimes you go to these events and you're like, mm. I don't want to meet anyone. I just want to like leave. I don't know anyone here. And my whole team knows that. Okay, guys, like we all have to meet three new people. Yeah. Like that's the deal. And we all go, we meet three new people. And by the time you've done that, you're deep in a conversation yeah. with your fifth person. Yeah. And, you know, I think even in terms of how people are, you know, sometimes you have an idea and you can't do it your own, on your own. So you need either people are like, how do I meet a co-founder? How do I meet a mentor? How do I any of this? And you just have to put yourself out there and just have those conversations. And I think the first part to building a business is you have to sell yourself and your idea to other people first. You know, before you can go out there and be like, hey, I'm raising money. I'm, it's all these little pieces that contribute to how the long term success of your business will actually be. You know, it's, you it's, completely agree. Mm -hmm. It's interesting time to hear from you uh, because as I read, as we were preparing for this, your your portfolio, your personal portfolio is long and massive and it has gone with, a, you know, has a, a ton of success built into it. And And our next guest on the podcast today is going to be talking to us about meditation. And Ooh. so before we dive into, you know, the Real Housewives and all the businesses that you're building and how you built them to be successful, a concern for me personally is that the more success that seems to happen in my life, the less time I have for anything else. What do you do personally to kind of pull yourself away? And do you feel after years and years of success that you found a balance? Um, I have no balance. I, I, I convince myself that I like it, which I think is the trap, right? I also, um, I'm not sure if this is unique or not, but I work, live, travel with my partner, right? So my fiance and I spend probably like 23 out of 24 hours a day together. <laughs> Man, how um, is that? Well, I mean, our pillow talk is work. We fall asleep going, oh my gosh, do you remember that deal today? That was really cool. And then it's a bit, like, literally, it's like, it's all consuming. Um, but it kind of works for us. Um, we also don't have kids, too, to just to really distract us. So it's really all the time. But we have a lot of fun together. It's genuinely fun. Um, that is so sad when I say it like that. But I truly mean it. Um, I don't think it was sad at all. Yeah. I think oh, it's like, yeah. Right? Well, no, but, but time out. You have a great but how, but I see sad. what you're saying. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, like you're obviously feeling a little bit guilty talking about this. And this isn't something we should just brush over and say it's fine because most entrepreneurs, most bosses out there are feeling right now this sense of busyness and overwhelming, you know, sensation of lack of time. And if you're then saying, hey, I sh this sounds bad talking about it. Is it bad or well, do you actually enjoy it? I do enjoy it. But I will say, you know. I wouldn't recommend I, – I think I'm fortunate because because we get to work together and we're a genuine support system for each other, it works. I think entre entrepreneurship tends to be very lonely. So I've seen the opposite where, you know, you're out there by yourself. And, like, I've met couples where, you know, you go to dinner and you're talking business and the other partner is like, oh, my God, I didn't know you do that all day. And you're like, okay. So it can be really lonely. I don't know. I don't know if that's the perfect way to say and do it. And I do do other things that are like for me, like I love to work out. I love my Peloton bike. Like there's other things that I, you know, that are my escape. I love to read like all sorts of things. So there's other things that I do. I don't always work. I love to shop. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, well, you know, the Peloton's great. I love my Peloton. Bike. Oh, it's so great. Are you competitive? Yeah. 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 I'm you can get competitive. real competitive on those. Um, but I will say one thing going back to your point, Ben, 
you know that expression like that I feel like sums up this, but it's it's I'm killing it, it's killing me, I'm killing it, it's killing it's killing me. Like that cycle of going back and forth and swinging that pendulum of like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Like you you're catching me on a day today where I'm like, woohoo, you know. But then yeah. tomorrow, like you know, the crap hits the fan. You're like, ooh, this is a tough life, you know. So it's just it just depends, I guess, on on your your lens at the moment. Well, your vulnerability there is is really helpful. Either way, if you if you came in, you're yeah. like, hey, I hate this. This is so much. This is overwhelming. I'm working all the time. I don't know how to get out of it. That's great. Or if you're saying, I really enjoy this and this is a good experience for me and my partner and I have a connection based on our businesses, that's great too. But I think the listeners out there just want that vulnerability from somebody that's been wildly successful oh. like yourself, which leads me to this. You have been wildly successful oh, and you still great. choose to become a housewife. How did this work? Okay. Um, good question. So it's funny. So it came around like I knew some of the girls from Atlanta. It's a small town. You know, you kind of meet people. And um, one of the ladies was like, you know, you should film with us. You should film with us. And I was like, huh, no, you know. And it's funny. I went home to Paul and he was like, why not? And I was like, um, uh. And so I really thought about it. I mean, this show has got an incredible viewership. And especially in Atlanta, like it's predominant, like the the market that, I mean, it's so Atlanta. But anyways, long story short, why I really wanted to do this was kind of because I could. And I feel like you, as a female in technology, doing what I do, there's not a lot of that that's portrayed on TV at all for black women, for young girls, for women who are trying to get into tech. And especially on this show, like a lot of the women have been there, they're in entertainment and different things. And I just felt like, this could be really important. You know, like I think back to the TV shows that I used to watch when I was young and pretty, and my dad, my dad was a doctor, but Bill Cosby was the doctor show that everybody looked up to for African-Americans. They're like, yeah, that's the level. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, like, you know, we're talking about people who are like, we're woke now and we're trying to change things. I mean, you look at Congress and there's all these women in Congress, but like, what's our escapism TV show that you can watch where people are doing really amazing things that people can actually look at and go, Oh wait, I can go into technology. And so it sounds like this grand sweeping future idea that's really a reality TV show. But I was like, I can do that. Like, I'm not employed at a, you know, public company where they'll be like, ooh, no, honey, you're fired. Yeah. I, I mean, was, that's. Yeah, I was kind of willing to take that bullet. Tanya, I, I don't think before that's a I bullet. I think that's fantastic. Wait, I don't I don't want to glaze over this because I'm so happy as a woman in technology yeah. that you're doing that, that you've chosen to put yourself out there. And it does. It has incredible viewership. It's a business opportunity, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is a business opportunity. And, you know, it's hard for with what I do because people keep asking me, well, what are you going to sell on the show? What are you going to sell on the show? And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't really, it's not even as important to me to like hawk some wares. It's really what kills me and like literally makes me cry. Is like, I get so many women who message me who were like, I'm a woman who wants to transition into technology, seeing you as a breath of fresh air. I didn't know I could do that. I'm a nurse. I'm burnt out. Do you think I could pursue this dream? And I just screenshot them and I have this folder on my phone and it just means so much to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. People actually want to see this and like they need to see it. Yeah. And it, but 
See, that's where I fall in. Tanya, I, I know Jesse has a thousand questions about your businesses and, and what's made them successful. But I want to touch on, before we get into that, the personal story here. Mm-hmm. Because for me, we can relate coming from a background in reality television. Yeah, yeah. That's and, right for you guys. That's right. And and I I can I guess as my career has progressed and I've started my own companies now and I've started to invest and, and I've, I've it's now I have three companies under my name. I still wake up some days with a fear of not being taken legitimately. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, was just recognized in the state of Colorado as the as a young business professional that's getting an award. And my very first thought was, well, they're doing that because of my social media. They want the promotion. I, I have a hard time even personally taking myself legitimate. I have a hard time sitting in a meetings or um, speaking at different conferences and feeling legitimate because of my reality television background. Mm. And so it's interesting for me to hear your, because that's where I come from. And that's yeah. why in a large way, my businesses have been successful is because of the platform that was built from that show. It's interesting for me that your transition went from success in business to then picking up reality television and using that. What do you hope this does long term? And then do you ever are you ever concerned that your career will be tarnished because of the show? It's interesting because I think right off the bat, our roles are reversed. So. You know, you started in reality television and you're carrying this forward. I'm kind of here now going and I have no clue what I what I've got myself into. Like, you know, we finished taping. We filmed for about five months. You know, we're halfway through the season airing and already like I'm like, wow, people I, I mean, people recognize me now. I've been on, you know, a handful of ep- episodes and I'm like, this is really cool. OK. <laughs> and it surprises me, really. Like I checked into my hotel here and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're on the Housewives. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> so I think yeah. I'm not really prepared for perhaps like the effects of reality television show. And I think in general, I have imposter syndrome anyways. Mm-hmm. Like mm. all the time, you know, I just did a talk at CES on artificial intelligence and gender bias. And I kept thinking like, I mean, all up until the talk, I was like, they're like, when are these people going to be like, what are you doing up there? And start like throwing, you know, eggs at me. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think regardless the joke is that never happens but everyone has those feelings. And wait, I want to backtrack because you just brought up imposter syndrome, which Ben, I love that you just shared that you even feel this way. But imposter syndrome is like it's a real thing. You yeah. know, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, uh, who is the CEO of Facebook, and she writes all about she has a great book uh, called Lean In. But she writes all mm-hmm. about she has two books, actually. You should read Plan B as well if you're going to read Lean, Lean I love in. Plan B. We can talk um, about grief later. Yeah, but she um, she started her whole conversation with women about this feeling as a fraud. And mm-hmm. she always talks about this teacher she had at Barnard um, who gave a whole speech on feeling as though you're a fraud in your professional life. And everyone feels that way. And Ben, to hear you say that is so amazing because I think women always think it's just them, but men feel like a fraud too. No one, Everyone has that little kid inside of them yep. who feels like, you know, they're going to like, feel as though they're on stage naked, you know? And so I think it's so important that everyone knows that and we just give each other a break. Well, and you have to give yourself a break, right? Because I think it's completely internalized. 
you know, and I do worry, oh, are people not going to take me seriously because now I'm on reality television? And I kind of feel like, who are those freaking people? Get lost. Who cares? Because it's kind of, you know, it's like even even if you're building a company or, you know, you're investing or you're taking money from people, you're you. It's like you learn. I mean, money is money. And if you're raising money, you obviously just want to get as much as you can because it's hard. Right. But, you know, at some point you're like, I don't want that person's money or I don't want that person's like negative energy being like you're not good enough. So I don't know. I do feel like I'm at a point where. I think it's more meaningful me, more meaningful to me, maybe the potential I have to really help other people like build their dreams and think they can do it than the people who are like, oh, I can't take you seriously. Now, granted, I'm on a show that's got a lot of female drama. I haven't, as they say, snatched anyone's wig yet or done anything. (laughs) I haven't thrown a cocktail on someone. And if that were to happen, like then, yeah, people would be like, there's that girl. Um, I don't know, but I hopefully I can back it up with my other stuff and I'll be at some sort of safe haven place. For myself and others. <laughs> it's I mean, it's impressive, Tanya, to hear this. And it's really encouraging for somebody like me to that you know, you I look up to you and Jesse both. I'm sitting here and I just wrote my notes. Like you both I sit there, I'm seeing both of you at the same time, and I'm saying, like, these women are are people to admire based on your intelligence and your I would say even past intelligence. Um, and Jesse, I'll let you take it away from here. Say so the one thing that you both have touched on that has encouraged me from this conversation so far is that your grit and determination to just say, do it. And your, your vulnerability to say, we might not know how, and we might feel like we're incapable. We might feel like we, we, we aren't good enough, but we're going to pursue it because we're passionate about it. And I'm taking that away. And I wrote that down on my, on my notepad here, because once this podcast is done and I start working again, that's going to be my, my mantra for the day is just even though I I don't feel capable and when I don't feel capable, still do it and pursue it because people like you, two of the most successful people that I've ever met feel the same way. And that's encouraging for me. So thank you, Jesse. I'll let you take it away for a second. So I, first of all, I've just been speechless this whole time because you blew me away. You know, we, we thought, um, and Amy's, our producer is going to get mad at me because I'm not supposed to like be too nice to everybody. I'm supposed to be the summit. Um, but I'm, I, I thought we were interviewing really a real housewife of Atlanta and like, you've just <laughs> stepped up the entire franchise. Um, I think this is amazing what you're doing. And I want to hear, you know, as a woman in technology, you're clearly doing so much for women by being a role model on the show and showing people that you can get into technology, which I completely relate to because I grew up in Silicon Valley and I yeah. thought I couldn't go into technology. Did you really? Um, and I'm a fourth generation investor and I thought I couldn't go into it still because they're all men. And so it took me a while to kind of like come back around. Um, you said that you have male mentors, but you see how important it is to mentor women. Do you mentor women? What does that look like? What is sort of like a mentee mentor relationship? And like, what do you do to kind of like um, encourage the next generation of women? Ooh, it's, you know what? It, mentoring is really hard, I will say, because, and then it's at one point, it just becomes really easy because you just have to make time. And a lot of, time it's you know so when we had tech square labs you know it was a co-working space it was open space like you could have memberships we had student memberships we had a whole different variety of it so it's kind of just being around 
And I mean, oftentimes it's just like, you know, someone's like, hey, do you want to take a walk for a coffee? Can you talk about this? And just like little things like this, just pushing people, especially with women. Um, I think a lot of how my mentoring helps is like through our programs. Um, And I work with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs. So it's everything from like, hey, let's talk about different ways to access capital. Because sometimes you just don't know it. And it's, there's like, oh, go read a book or, you know, listen to a podcast. But the one-on-one really helps when you can focus on how you can help someone build their business, um, go past hurdles. I would say the other thing that I spend a lot of time doing is even just pitch practice. Like pitch practice goes a long way. Oh, totally. We just had a pitch day the other day and we brought in 12 cold pitches and um, we say you have five minutes and yeah. we'll do like 10, 15 minutes of Q&A. And if you can't get your pitch out, in five minutes, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And a lot of them come in and they're like, five minutes is way too short. We need more time to pitch. I'm like, it's like, I'm already asleep. Yeah, totally. I'm dead. So that's actually very, very important. I'll tell you, we do this program. um, It's called the Atlanta Startup Battle and we do it every quarter. We give away a hundred thousand dollar investment. That's amazing. So we packed Tech Square Labs. This year, we just did the last one in, uh, what is it? November. And we had over 550 early stage companies apply from like all over. Like people were flying in now. And so once we narrow down those 550, we do um, an intense mentoring day, like 12 hours with the 23 companies and just the variety that you see of the ability to pitch, talk about their business, like talk about, you know, the technology behind it. I mean, it's that I think is one of my favorite days because it is literally putting everybody through the ringer and we get so much feedback on what it takes because sometimes you just need the all in boiling pot for people to like, and especially being around other entrepreneurs. So they're sitting in the same room going, Ooh, they got ripped. Or, ooh, that was really good. I need to put that. I mean, that goes a long, long way. Yeah, it's an education about business. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think, but one of the coolest things to me uh, about working with early stage businesses is you see these greater world trends. Yeah. And I'd be curious what, you know, we've been talking about a lot of trends today. Like, what do you think the greater world trends that you see right now based on these technology companies uh, and those 550 that came what are they? Um, I saw, I mean, everything from blockchain, like everything's on the blockchain. And I'm like, okay, like there's avocados on the blockchain yeah. right now. Like everything's on the blockchain. Um, it means they're, <laughs> oh, what for is- anybody out there listening, I just want to take a second. Um, what is the blockchain? People like me are, you know, Tanya, you're a lot smarter than I am. Okay. Uh, so what is the blockchain? It's probably like if you look at it this way, it's like cryptocurrency is the best example of blockchain. It's using like a ledger system that traces transactions. So the best example is like money. We're using a they're created a cryptocurrency that it's almost like a lock and key ledger. I sign one side, you sign the other, and it's now a perfect record. And it's skipped. Uh, it's not a very good. I find it's it, way more yeah. secure than banking today. So an example I would give is my brother his business was hacked and they stole a bunch of money and he could actually um he could actually trace the bank account number to a bank in Chicago and couldn't get the money back because privacy laws protect yes. this guy that wouldn't happen in the blockchain because it's so secure uh-huh. and it's a special code and it's just kind of like a it's like a venmo for everything yeah and but the the key to it is it's a all, very secure Venmo because I'm, now I'm questioning how secure Venmo is because it's not on the blockchain. It's not that secure, actually. But even what makes it even more like the technology behind it is it's it's 
kind of, it's open to everyone to see. So it's not regulated by one body as well that everyone just goes, oh, okay, the federal government says yes, and you send out this money. But it's a good example of how we're able, able to track records. But it's one okay. of those things that I think the future will be really interesting for a lot of different things. I think AI is going to be huge because that kind of informs, you know, AI is basically helping um, computers to think like humans. So you train a computer, you give it lots of data, and it understands that how that data works, and you're training it to think like a human and make decisions. And that's going to inform everything from like the smart home to when you look in the mirror and say, good morning, mirror, can you please make my coffee because it knows your voice. So I think AI is going to be huge. Like we're moving into a Jetson-like future for everything. Like, yes, I think that'll be major. Um, what else am I liking right now? Something else I think about with blockchain is I'm just excited for no more, you know, in 10 years, we will no longer have to uh, exchange currencies. Yeah. Like you can just like wire people money in China, et cetera, and you will know who you wired it to. It will be secure. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe we will have one currency. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy out there. It is crazy. Yeah. It's, and it's moving fast. You know, the interesting thing here is Tanya, and I, I want to hear – uh, I want to switch gears for just a second. Uh, and Jesse, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Uh, I sat in a meeting two days ago uh, with uh, somebody who is investing into education because there's a huge issue right now as we move so fast in the technology space that education can't keep up with it. Our books, right? The traditional way that we're learning or even the articles out there and the, the teacher's curriculums aren't being built around the as fast as what the progression of technology is happening. So if we're talking blockchain here mm -hmm. or if we're talking global currency, that's all great. And in a lot of ways that just makes our world a lot more efficient, but we're not teaching it because we can't keep up with it. So for you, Tanya, or for you, Jesse, how do you stay educated or how would you advise the, the mom and the dads that they're listening to this podcast to keep their kids up to date on what's happening? Or let's even go this far. Let's say guys like my dad, who's still working very hard, who's 60 years old, who finds himself taking double the amount of time to do the work that somebody my age is doing because he never got to learn it. He's trying to keep up, but he can't. What's your advice? Oh, I mean, you just hit on so many different things there because we're talking about a population that's, you know, like an older generation that's being, you know, phased out by everything from robots to younger people. Um, and then you talked about education and how, you know, technology is surpassing our ability to really give a good education to kids. Like if if you don't have the proper tools and computers in every school across the country, rural, this, they're just not going to learn. And they are just, you know, out of luck in terms of, I mean, there's so much there. Where, where do we want to dig in on that? Because I, I, I mean. I mean, I can tell you that yeah. my kid, you know, thinks that photos, my kid, I have two kids and one is my three-year-old thinks that photos are iPhones and tries to like zoom in and out, you know? And like, that's just uh, how, <laughs> how crazy they're picking things up. Like that's just wrong. <laughs> oh, I mean, I do think, uh, I, so as far as like education technology goes, I think that it, it's really important because there's a certain part of us and, you know, my dad's from Ghana, West Africa. So I do spend some time going back and forth there. He's he lives there. So I've seen some of the schools there. And it's amazing how we've seen the difference of having one computer, 
Maybe they have spotty internet, maybe they have it, but just the ability for people in developing countries to learn based on having the internet is incredible. The problem is having that everywhere and the access to it. You know, people are speaking English across the world in greater rates because we have cell phones and YouTube. Like I was just in Asia and I met so many people who were like, oh, I taught myself English from YouTube. So it it's like that's it's, awesome. I know. I was so like, we need amazed. to get those tools to right. everybody. So it's like I think it's a beautiful thing, but it's also very limiting. And even in the U.S., like um, I did this program with the Metro Atlanta Chamber where we went to rural Georgia and they didn't have the Internet. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they were the Mississippi like, Delta. I mean, I was just down there. The Mississippi Delta doesn't have the Internet and these schools can't keep up. Yes. I with, mean, with even so, I mean, it's crazy, Tanya. There, there's schools that can't keep up with schools that are. 20 miles from them, yeah. they're, they're 50 years behind. It's a huge issue. One that, you know what? I think this is a whole new frontier. I think it's the wild West. And I think as we continue to become efficient in our trading and our currency and, and all the things that we're talking about, education is the brand new frontier that we will see drastic changes in the yeah. next 50 years. And uh, Tanya, we've got to get you out of here. I know you have a very busy schedule. Um, I want to end this by just saying a few fun facts that we worked really hard on finding. You've been to Burning Man, you <laughs> love to travel, and you've got a passion for fashion. Tanya, we've got a passion for you. Hey, Tanya, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about? Guys, I just want to tell you and direct your attention to something that's really close to my heart, katesclub.org. It's an organization that I'm on the board for. I lost my mom when I was 12, and this is an organi- a grief organization for kids between the ages of five and 18 who have lost a parent, siblings, or loved one. We are having a fundraiser this month. So please go to the website. We have a summer camp where we send 600 kids to camp and we have a weekly clubhouse with free programming and it changes kids' lives. So if grief has touched you as a child, you know, reach out to us at katesclub.org. Tanya, you're the best. Thank you so much. You really are. (laughs) You really are. Hey, make sure to check out Tanya on The Real Housewives of Atlanta Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Bravo. Tanya, thanks for joining us on the Lady Bosses podcast. You truly are a lady boss. Bye, y'all. Who loves tea but hates that messy tea bag? Well, you'll never have to deal with it again with tea drops. Tea drops are delicious, organic, bagless teas that dissolve in hot water. Yep, made with finely ground loose leaf teas, tea drops instantly dissolve in hot water and come in fun, whimsical shapes like hearts and stars. Using all certified organic and fair trade ingredients, tea drops just launched a delectable dessert collection featuring fun tea blends like forest berry shortcake, aloha pineapple, and ginger peach cobbler. It's decadence without the calories. Grab one for yourself, your valentine or Galentine now and get 20% off. Check out myteadrop.com and use code SPILLTHETEA for your discount. You deserve to treat yourself. We've got Kelly Ryan on the line. Kelly is uh, the founder and CEO of a company called Anchor Meditation. Kelly, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Just to dive in here, where did this come from? How did Anchor Meditation start? Um, I went away for my 40th birthday to a spa and I took a mindful parenting class and the teacher said, if you're wishing the past were any different or better than it was, you're living in the past. And if you're experiencing any anxiety or worry, those don't exist in the present moment. They're about the future. And it just really hit me that I was living a lot of my life in the past and the future. So 
um, I got curious about meditation and um, started a daily practice on my own in the morning, and I just um, immediately began to feel more connected to myself and sleep better and um, experience um, improvements to my health and my overall um, sense of well-being. And so that was kind of what planted the seed of sharing it with others. It's it's really interesting, Kelly. I, I was doing a couple some research before we got on. You know, in this 2018 alone, uh, a couple books uh, were on the New York Best uh, Sellers list, all about meditation, ten minutes of meditation, or the practice of meditation. So you're kind of entering into this thing that has existed for thousands upon thousands of years, but today it seems more relevant than ever. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you think, you know, our minds have 40 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Um, and and you, if you couple that with the kind of way that we're inundated with information and technology, um, with, you know, text messages and full inboxes of emails and voicemails and kind of everywhere you go, there's something pinging at you. I think... Um, it's kind of a key to um, maintaining a sense of peace in 2019. You know, uh, my co-host in the podcast, Jesse, uh, I know has a ton of questions uh, about your business. But before we get into it, one of the things that I recognize that could be a, a, a struggle for a company that is built on meditation is, is the whole Midwest. Uh, the Midwest is the the heart of the United States. I, I was born in the Midwest. I, I you know I do have I do come from a, a background of faith. I do believe strongly um, in what I believe. But I know growing up in Indiana, meditation was kind of shunned and pushed away, especially in the Christian community, because it didn't feel like a a practice that the church should be participating in. Have you seen that? Is that a struggle? That what are your thoughts on that? Has the church itself started to accept these practices? Because I know I have in my own life. Yeah, thanks. That's that's actually a great question, and it's actually something I struggled with in the beginning, too, because I realized, oh my gosh, this is helping me so much, yet I was raised in a Christian family, and I wasn't sure, you know, how that would be judged. But meditation actually is a part of almost every religion, um, spanning, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And I um, like to think of it as meditation is listening for God, and praying is talking to God. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And and for anybody out there listening, this has been something I remember as a child, you know, we started to do, I think it was like Christian yoga in the church. I was like, that's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Like, why are we branding it Christian yoga? Let's just call it yoga uh, and, and meditation itself. I've started to do this every morning uh, through through a couple different avenues, Kelly. I will tell you uh, that I myself am a firm believer in meditation. But Jesse, I want to know from your perspective as an investor, how do you believe you could grow a business built on this practice? Well, I have so many questions about what you're doing. First of all, I love it. I love it so much. And, you know, doing research on you, Kelly, I read something on your website that said, sometimes you get so busy trying to be everyone's anchor that you don't even realize you're drowning. And I can't even tell you, like, as a CEO, I have, you know, 40 investors and 47 companies, and I regularly am held account like I feel like I am regularly talking to a hundred people and I I feel like that all the time and honestly meditation just as a CEO really does help and it's something I forget to do um and so I love that you're bringing that into a place that 
makes it okay for everybody and reminds everybody um, to meditate and like take that time for themselves. Um, it's just, I don't know, sometimes I don't know how to find that time and I have to like force myself to find that time. So I like the idea of like going somewhere and giving yourself that time um, and making space yeah, for that. Yeah, and I, I, I really think it cre- somehow meditation creates more time in the day because <laughs> the time when you are, you know, um, trying to get stuff done, you just are so much more focused and have so much more clarity as a result of doing something as simple as taking five minutes at the start of the day to kind of clear your mind. Totally. Well, so tell us how your business works. So you have um, one location in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have one location in San Francisco. So I started out just offering about five classes a week out of someone else's um, another retail space during their non-business hours. And um, that was in February of last year. And then um, things kind of grew to the point that um, I was getting a lot of phone calls, inquiries for people wanting to have private parties and um, corporate offsites and things like that that I couldn't accommodate in the space because we only had it during their non-business hours. So in October, we opened a location in Cow Hollow in San Francisco. Oh, great. I love that area. Yeah, and it's just a drop-in meditation studio. We have memberships. Um, we have monthly memberships that are available or, you know, class packs of 10. So um, as a business, and- as like an investor in businesses, I hear, okay, in, in my head, I'm like, okay, subscription. So yeah, um, memberships are great. <laughs> it's like regular money, recurring revenue. So that's just, yeah. just thought I'd throw that out there, everybody. Um, but yeah. that's great. And so tell us a little about your classes and how that works. So we have a variety of classes from all different types of lineages. Um, We have some that are sound baths. We have um, some that are shamanic journeys. We have some that are geared towards beginners. We have breath work. Um, We have some that are one called Stress RS, which is to relieve stress. We have crystal guided meditations, all sorts of chakra clearing and things like that. Um, throughout the week, and we're open. We have classes in the morning, midday, and evening. So, and so how much does uh, it cost? It's twenty five dollars for a single class, one hundred and ninety dollars for um, ten classes, or one hundred and twenty five dollars for a monthly membership. That's great. Has you have you ever? I mean, Kelly, for me, when I meditate, I, I have a certain chair I sit in, a certain uh, kind of practice I go to. Does it get weird to to kind of meditate with a bunch of people around you? No, it really elevates the experience. So at home, I'm the same. You know, I have my cushion and my altar and my spot that I sit. But when you're meditating with other people, um, first of all, it's just a great opportunity to learn more from the teacher and to try different types of meditation to see what resonates with you. Um, But also, you know, it's the energy of the other people and that everyone's kind of coming together to, um, you know, take care of themselves and reconnect with themselves. And it has, it's full of good vibes. <laughs> so I think it's great to be in a group. So what's the dream? A million locations all around uh, the world. <laughs> this was the dream. So I'm just kind of catching up to myself, actually. I cannot believe how um, quickly this came about. Um, but there's just been a lot of demand for it. And um, I have been approached by um, various 
people who are um, offering to invest to help me expand. And so that's something um, I'm considering right now. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity. I know Gary Vaynerchuk said someday there will be a Starbucks of meditation. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people think that 10 years from now, there will be as many meditation studios as there are yoga studios. So, so are you um, going to do it? Are you going to, is, is Gary Vaynerchuk the one who's, who's going to invest? No, Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know. I'm not in touch with him, but he can give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big fan um, of the podcast. That's Gary amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, hey. so I do think there's a huge opportunity. Um, I think there's a huge retail opportunity um, as meditation becomes more mainstream. Um, and I, I also think there's a huge opportunity for expansion. And I'm excited about, you know, the possibility of sharing this practice with so many people because it's honestly life-changing. We have so many people that come every day and are just total diehard devoted um, community members, and, and I, I see how much people need it in their life, and so um, I'm really excited. To, I'd be, um, I'd be curious to. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I'd be curious to hear. You know, who is your typical customer? Like, um, what do they look like? Yeah, it's about eighty percent women um, and twenty percent men, and I would say the typical customer is um, in their, you know, like 20 to 50 years old. Um, but that being said, we have uh, had a lot of interest in kids' programs, and we've also had, you know, a lot of people um, older, you know, older that um, it really resonates with, with a wide variety of, um, you know, cultural and religious backgrounds. So it's, it's really appealing to a lot of people. We did a survey, and 100% of the survey respondents said that they're suffering from stress and anxiety. So that says a lot. <laughs> there's a there's a stat out there right now, Kelly, that says uh, that 40% of the people uh, living in the United States today admit a sense of isolation and loneliness or anxiety. And so obviously yeah. there is a huge need for what you're doing. Jesse, I want to ask you, we started this podcast out by talking about uh, what you believed the future in investing was going to be. And you thought beauty and healthcare was meditation a part of that. I definitely think mindfulness uh, and meditation is an enormous market right now. I've seen quite a few mindfulness apps and, um, the meditation studios I do see, you know, coming up and, you know, Kelly, I'd be curious to hear, um, how you would compete with a yoga studio. Like, will you launch yoga classes as well? Because how do you differentiate yourself? Um, because I feel like you're, you're going for that customer. So it's pretty smart to almost like interchange them, but are you trying to be just simply meditation? So people know, you know, sometimes it's good to just go deep and just that's your exact yeah. customer. There's tons of options, great options for yoga in San Francisco. And so I really have no interest in competing at all with any yoga studios. And as a matter of fact, there's several yoga studios in the neighborhood where we're located and we're doing some great partnerships where people can take a yoga class and then come to meditate. Um, so I really see yoga studios as an opportunity for collaboration rather than competition. I can tell how zen you are just talking to you. I'm like, you are definitely getting your regular meditation in. I love it. Um, uh, you know, yeah, but if I lose my temper ever, my <laughs> mom, did you meditate this morning? <laughs> so as an investor, you know, I invest in um, 
companies. I'm a little afraid of retail-oriented business. That said, I'm a, a tech investor. But I typically look more seriously once you have three shops. So once you have right. three locations, because then you've proved right. it out. So right. where are you in that process? Um, if I do move forward with the person who, the person I'm speaking with most seriously about investing, I'll be opening two to three more locations in San Francisco over the next 18 months. That would be the plan. So I would love to talk to you after that works out real well. <laughs> well, great. Send me your deck. That's how it begins. Um, that's right. great. What, um, and what, you know, what do you think would be the advantage of investing in a company like yours right now? I just think that um, it's a humongous opportunity. I mean, if you think about it, Lululemon didn't exist before there was yoga, and now it's, you know, everywhere across the country. And there will be retail opportunities as well as um storefront opportunities as well as apps. I mean, it's just kind of endless opportunities because there's not a lot of players in the space. So um, I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> That's Well, great. anybody out there listening, I know that we all need to take a break. A breather, uh, especially as a lady boss, you know, it's kind of ironic that you're a lady boss yourself, but you're also helping other lady bosses meditate, uh, male and female are probably coming into your studio, resting and relaxing. If they want to find you, Kelly, anybody out there listening, where can they find you? And, and then also what would be the biggest benefit to taking a little breather and meditating with anchor meditation? All right. So you can find us at www.anchormeditation.com or on Instagram at Anchor Meditation. And the biggest benefit is coming home to yourself. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Leave us with that I little know. nugget. Hey, Kelly, I uh, can't wait to come home to myself uh, here right after the podcast. I'm going to sit down and, and, and do a little meditation myself. Kelly, thanks for coming on the Lady Bosses podcast. Thank you for having me and enjoy your meditation. You know, Jesse, I didn't get to dig into it as much as I'd like to, but it is true. Uh, in 1980, uh, Harvard did a study and 20% of people in the United States said they felt a level of anxiety or isolation or loneliness. And they kind of, the, the, the weakness of this study is they kind of grouped all three together, right? Um, any type of kind of emotional distress was how they studied it today. Uh, that same study was done, uh, in 2017, 40% of people now, uh, claim the same thing, which tells me either we're becoming more authentic and vulnerable and genuine, or we haven't taken the time that we need to, to kind of come back home to ourselves. Totally. I completely agree with that. I mean, I think it's, you, you talked to her about it a little bit, but just we're getting busier and busier and busier. And, you know, if social media, like I don't, I don't even check my LinkedIn messages, you know, there's, a thousand ways to communicate all the time. You feel like you could always be busy, but in a way you're being very isolated. And um, I think there's this magical thing about meditation and you do need to be reminded to take that moment for yourself and just kind of stare off into space and recenter. And it's something that personally um, as a mom and running a business, like I just have lost track of recently. I actually have I had a crazy meeting yesterday. I um, 
I thought I was meeting with someone, a private wealth manager had introduced me to this woman who wanted to talk to me about my fund. And she came and she sat down and she said, I don't typically do this, but I have some messages to give you from your paternal grandmother. Did she give you that necklace? And I was like, yes, she did. That's really weird. So there's like first five seconds of our meeting and I'm already sort of tearing up. And then she's she basically said, you know, you have a lot going on. You need to start taking some time for yourself. You need to meditate more and then talked me through how to meditate. And it's so strange that today we interviewed a meditation oriented company because I feel like there is some magic to meditation. It's like connecting to something. I'm not incredibly religious, but I do believe in something out there. And it's just a it's it's reconnecting with yourself, but also connecting with something out there reminding you to be good and take time and decompress. And, you know, we're not robots. We're human. And so I think it's just a I don't know, it's so, so important for all the moms, lady bosses, et cetera, out there to take that time for yourself. And I was recently reminded of this in this insane meeting I had yesterday. I mean, I could dig in, but let's let's get on with the show. <laughs> the, you know, Jesse, the interesting thing talking about meditation is these businesses have literally been built on the idea that you need to do less. Like do less is what these businesses are built on. And Kelly brought it up. So as I look and, and listen to Kelly and as I look at her website here, and I think we, we talk a lot about the verticals, you know, we, we say the word vertical a lot on this podcast. There's a bunch of verticals when it comes to this idea of doing less. She brought up Lululemon. Lululemon literally exists because of yoga. Mm -hmm. So because of a practice, a clothing and apparel brand that was built around that practice was built. And so as we think about companies like Anchor, who are just getting started, it's a small business. Kelly's story is great, um, and she's pursuing a passion and a dream. But if she says, okay, the meditation practice is, is great. I need to continue to do it. It's how I'm going to build the foundation of my business. But I also want to find some new revenue streams. I can think about apparel. I can think about hydration. I can think about the matting and the flooring. I can think about all these different things that kind of wrap around this idea of doing less that could build a really big and successful business all based on one practice and one passion, and that's meditation. I completely agree. It's a huge business. And these apps I'm seeing, you know, well, I'm sure you have heard of Headspace, and there's many more that help you sleep, that help you, you know, focus on different things, whether it's anxiety or confidence. And I highly recommend all of those. Um, I think that they're really, uh, I just heard about one called here, um, it's here meditation and it's great. And it kind of focuses you, it or helps you focus on different elements like confidence or courage. And, um, it actually has a little activity on the app too, that calms you and you like move these little squares, but it is, it's a big business. And also the thing that scares me for the future is kids are stressed out, uh -huh. you know, children are stressed out. And so I think to build that into, um, our normal everyday behavior as a business and just as something really good for you is so incredibly important. I know um, Goldie Hawn, uh, the incredible actress, uh, runs something called Mind Up where she tries to get meditation and mindfulness into 
schools. Uh, and I think people are focusing on this because they're seeing these kids have anxiety at the ages of like four and five. That's mm-hmm. insane. Kids should yeah. not be stressed out. They should be running around and like getting dirty and having a blast. You know, they should feel free. But we live in such a stressed out world. This woman who sort of like read my, I don't know, aura or something yesterday uh, in what I thought was a business meeting also told me that the world is very stressed out right now. So I, I she told me that it's everyone. There's a lot going on. And so we all need to calm down and take a moment for ourselves. And so it's a good lesson. <laughs> I, I I do agree with that. Finally here, um, we're seeing a switch. Before we move on to our next guest, we're seeing a switch in this world where something that we, for so long, I'd say for the last five years, I, I hear it all the time. Your phones are bad. The apps are bad. Social media is bad. It's destroying our, our world. We're seeing a switch. And I think it's a, it's a massive uh, industry to start pursuing, especially if you're out there listening. You have an idea to start using these things like your apps and your phones for good that like the headspaces of the world like the here apps these apps that are saying okay it's it's ironic in a lot of ways right hey take your phone the thing that distracts you and makes you the most busy and use it to pull yourself back into a place of simplicity and and kind of a, just meditation or hereness i i think and i believe this when we talk about earlier you know kind of the new things to invest into or the new ideas that will come up Jesse, I feel like the subscriptions based on these apps that are doing good for the world is kind of a new industry and a new sector that we should start looking into and pursuing. And if you're trying to design a company, I think this is one that is a big business and will be very, very profitable. Jesse, thank you so much for your wisdom and your insight. Uh, You continue to educate me as I pursue my own uh, course of business and and pursuing uh, everything there is to know in the world on entrepreneurship. Jesse, we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you. Right back at you. I'm your resident lady boss, Jesse Draper. And I'm just Ben. Follow Lady Bosses and Ben on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. iHeartRadio. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat okay. the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel oh, up so to, up the hill. And then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.